You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to Cards to the Moon. This is episode 136 and my name is Clark from 5 Card Guys on all your socials and on 5cardguys.com. Co-hosting with me as usual is Hyung of Integrity Sports Cards. John unfortunately couldn't make it again this week, but I think we got plenty to talk about in this episode, so it should be a fun hour or so of uh, yeah, fun hobby talk. So off the top, I've been seeing a few social media posts on this and it's regarding the LeBron James Triple Logo Man card that sold for, if you remember, $2.4 million last year at a golden auction. It's also been featured on the Netflix show King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch. So you see, you probably saw the card there as well. Now, Card Ladder has something called the Card Ladder Value, which takes into account several factors. And what they do is they plug it into some formulas and they project current card values. All right. So for more precise details on how they come up with the card ladder value, you could actually go to their website. It has a full explanation on it. I won't go that's, that's through interesting. it because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it says it plays with their index a little bit and it, you know, depends on the last sold. And they also have like a confidence level, uh, depending on the number of recent sales. So right. the confidence level on their CL value of this LeBron James triple logo man is pretty low because obviously it's a one of one right. and it hasn't been sold since the 2.4 million. Right. But that being said, they're estimating that card at 1.288 million, which is a lot less than the 2.4 million right. sold for us. So, what do you think of this assessment? Hmm. And if this card goes up on auction again, do you think it would sell for more or for less than the 1.28 million card ladder value? Wow. Loaded questions, Clark. <laughs> like asking loaded questions. I, th- I, th- I think, um, well, one, LeBron has to be one of the most polarizing players, first and mm-hmm. foremost. It's it's crazy how much you either love him or you absolutely hate him. Right. But it's there's no denying that like what he's accomplished and been able to accomplish even at the age of 38, 39, entering his 20th season – to not have a regression of his career stats, to actually improve on his numbers at the age of 38 is remarkable, right? So there's that. I'm just going to put that out there. Whether you like the guy or not, that's undeniable that he's Mm -hmm. putting up crazy numbers that this guy is probably the closest to a non-human being, you know, on on this planet. Um, He doesn't age, right? So there's that. There's the $2.4 million sales at the height of, you know, the hype. I don't know if it was after the hype, but there was a lot of hype revolved around it, right? So there, it was obviously an inflated sale, especially with the previous histories of, you know, comparables or whatever, you know, um, you know, they justified coming to that valuation in the first place. And Mm -hmm. card ladder, you said had it for half that, like 1.2. Yep. I personally think I would even go further and say, the true value of that card is probably a third of, it, of that price. Wow. So I would okay. even say 800K. Will it go that low? I don't think so. Because, mm-hmm. because it's a one of one. Because that it's been featured on that show, 
um, the Netflix uh, series, which gives it more marketability and, you know, uh, right. exclusiveness uh, to the hype. Uh, you got the factors that, you know, we talked about LeBron James, you know, being who he is, whether you like him or not. Um, the new hype of this whole idea of triple logo men, I think, mm. I think is a very big trend right now. So I think it's trending in a positive way, though, based on the way fanatics views the hobby and the future of fanatics and what we're going to see with other, you know, one of ones and how valuable they become in, in part of the hobby. Um, right. I think that there's a lot of upside, um, in that sense right so yeah but i i just don't it's not it's not 2.4 million dollars definitely i would mm-hmm. say i would say you know i think somebody would take the chance at it between one and one five okay i think that's yeah. reasonable but i think they're overpaying yeah okay so well if you put it at one and one between one and 1.5 then Seems like you're kind of could see the car ladder value as being in that ballpark. I mean, I just see in general you're you're looking at a fifty to seventy percent retraction of of peak values, you know. And then you 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 look at the you know the the supply demand, the marketability of certain things that provide a little more bump in value, you know, that you know won't see the full you know seventy eighty percent retraction. Where it, it kind of floats around. Okay, what are, what are people willing to? What do you think the bottom of this car? If you are a buyer, what's your bottom? And that's how it is. It's like let's just say you had a hundred buyers, and we all yeah. gave a bottom, right? And right, we all right. bid on this. This is the bottom. Basically, the the highest bid off uh, off that would basically win that car, right? So I would say, yeah, that's that's how I come. I would come to my conclusion. I don't right, think yeah. somebody would drop two, but yeah, yeah. No, I understand that point for sure. Um, I thought about this, and I think, I think someone would think, well, a rich collector would think that it's at least worth a million dollar card, right? Right. So, and I think it would probably be around that level. I think the card ladder value is not that far off because, really, the decreases. I think a lot of it's dependent on market conditions right now. Everything's going down, right? Right. Even the super high end, and especially the ones that were inflated in terms of value, like this card with the publicity and and and, and everything else, you know. And so, so yeah, I'm I'm with it. It's not definitely not worth two point four million, but um, I can see someone wanting to buy that for one million. I, I easily honestly, if if I had the money, I I think I would be a buyer at like one point five. Like okay. because it's it's a one of one. It's marketed like crazy. It's like even if you everyone just said, knows this card, yeah. everybody knows this card, and it's like you know what? At the end of the day, it did sell for two point four, right? Yeah. And it's like if you believe that LeBron left enough big enough legacy to you know warrant that in the future, and you you do the math in terms of where you see the hobby in five to ten years, mm-hmm. it might not be a bad investment, you know, long term. Even though you know it is a million and a half, and I'd probably find a hundred things better to spend a million dollars on than you know a triple logo man but uh (laughs) if i did have have like 1.5 just you know willing to spend on a card it wouldn't be necessarily the worst investment is what i'm saying (laughs) gotcha (laughs) um i got a question how about if lebron 
plays for one more team to to play with his son. Does it devalue the three logo men, the three teams he's played on, because he plays he's playing for a fourth hypothetical team? Where do you think of these questions? Uh, just my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. I think it does devalue his brand. I wouldn't right? be happy if he if he went to a different team and then I had a card that didn't have the fourth team. So if will they make another like quad patch? A quad patch, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's like what happens to the value of the triple logo men, right? Yeah. The, the quad patch would be hard to fit in one card, though. So maybe the triple logo man is the max. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe booklet. Yeah, that's another. Over, yeah, it's overrated booklets, I think. Right. And how are you going to... We, we talked about this on a previous episode. How are you going to you know showcase it and make it look nice? You know what I mean? Like a, That's a huge slab for a booklet. It is a huge slab, but I I think I, I would be able to you know present it in a nice way it's more of a memorabilia <laughs> than a card i would say okay fine yeah fine. yeah <laughs> well you've seen you've seen the uh like baseball has it they have like 24 autographs in one card one booklet and it's like the <laughs> yeah. hall of fame it's like how do you display that you need like uh you know probably a fifty thousand dollar display just to display that thing <laughs> true true well I mean, whoever's in the market, if, if well, if it ever goes back on sale, the triple logo man LeBron, something to consider. He might want to play with his son that one year, and it might be the Orlando Magic. <laughs> and then what are you going to do? <laughs> Buy Tyler Hero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Interesting discussion. We'll see what happens in the future. All right. Let's move on to hobby headlines. All right, I wanted to save this topic for our full Tuesday episode instead of doing it last Friday because it's a pretty big announcement, pretty big news in the hobby, I think. Of course, I'm referring to the recent announcement that Fanatics is acquiring PWCC. Mm -hmm. The financial terms of the deal were not publicly disclosed, but I wanted to get your initial thoughts on this new acquisition by Fanatics. Were you surprised at all? And I guess to give it a little more context, what I heard and why PWCC really wanted to sell quickly was they had that collateralized uh, loan program. Brutal. Right? Where, that yeah, backfired. Where, that backfired huge. Where I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong uh, on the details, but I guess they would keep your high-end cards and lend you money. You could, and what happened, yeah. what happened when the value of cards tanked, they're like, just keep my card. Yeah, and people I'm just defaulted. Keep the money. Yeah, right. they they yeah. would use it as collateral because on a up market, you know, you'd obviously, you could like slabs are more valuable than cash right right so they right. would be more than happy to use that as security loan you the money but then you know they the were stuck turns. yeah then nobody <laughs> oh, wants man. to you know uh pay the loan back and they default on their loans and now pwcc is stuck with a bunch of high-end cards so mm-hmm. i think it's it i think that backfired i think it was short-sighted um yeah. i hope that you know, fanatics, they don't liquidate in that right. sense to That's make up for the loss yeah. because I don't think it's great for the hobby. I think, um, especially at their focus, because PWCC's focus is not like low to mid end, it's high end stuff, right? So you mm-hmm. want to, especially from a fanatic standpoint, you don't want to, you know, um, necessarily make that 
look like a negative light in the lens of the hobby, right? So you want to protect the hobby the best as possible, especially with this huge, um, you know, uh, transaction of purchasing PWCC. Um, am I surprised? Not really. You know, mm, yeah. I, we, we said this, like fanatics is just, okay, what's, what's next. And <laughs> right. as they check, check off the list, it's like, you know, they went from, you know, acquiring, you know, tops. It's a freaking brand. They acquired a yeah. brand, like a hard brand. And we said Panini <laughs> well, obviously was, was in the mix, but mm-hmm. you know, now they go PWCC with vaulting and, you know, auction house and marketplace, which I think is a, is a huge move for them. If it's it's a no brainer, if you're in that market, you know. And you guys got to remember, like a lot of people, I, I I see they're they're saying, oh, monopolies are so bad for the market, and you know, I I get it. Like, you know, nobody in even cell phones are the worst in Canada. Like, just absolutely brutal. <laughs> right. Rogers tell us, like, True. you don't want a monopoly when you're dealing with that but in the sense of fanatics i think they're strategically going about this in a way that they're not gonna i don't think they will ever get into the grading aspect but if Mm -hmm. if if i if i were fanatics beckett would be the top of the list um Mm -hmm. just because of the state of you know where beckett is in their history with everything but you know, it seems like that's the way they're going anyways in terms of trying to, you know, be an all-in-one, one-stop shop, you know. Uh, and the way they project the the industry is they see it as like a $200-plus billion industry in in, mm-hmm. in the near future. So, you know, they're valued at about $31 billion right now. So, you know, the marketplace has a lot of potential in terms of what they're trying to do. And this is... I guess the whole 10x model of kind of like the sports cards hobby, it's not necessarily just the way they're monetizing, you know, currently, uh, it, it includes their future, you know, moves in terms of how they're going to use their current, you know, customer base and resources to basically increase, you know, sideways, right? Any, mm-hmm. any business owner would do the same. So I'm not surprised, especially if Fanatics has that type of money. It's it's inevitable that they do it, and they're not going to stop. If you think they're going to stop, and that's why I don't get it. It's like people like hate on this. It's like you know what? As long as the hobby serves as a better solution to the problems that the hobbies have, yeah, I'm all for it because somebody has to do it. The difference between Fanatics doing it or you know, Jim from arkansas trying to do it i'm gonna bet my money on fanatics their resources a lot better than you know jim yeah yeah um i think it's so early in the process still and the goal of 10xing the market is still very much in play that's the goal still you know we haven't reached that point yet not even so all of this yeah not even close and and so like all of this is I I think I'm I'm with you. It's good for the hobby to grow the hobby to a certain point. And once the hobby starts to really grow with all this investment, especially by fanatics, I hope that there will be other competitors coming into the space because they see how lucrative right. this marketplace is. And we already have some smaller players. Maybe they're not as biggest fanatics we got arena club with their vaulting service right i know they're starting up uh golden has their own vaulting service you know and 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 uh psa has their vaulting service so there are legitimate alternatives and you know as the hobby grows i hope 
Golden and P, uh, PSA and all those other um, companies um, also grow and try to compete against each other. So, you know, it seems like a monopoly more than it probably actually is right now because they're just acquiring everyone and buying everything. But- right. Do you, do you believe that it was strategic in Fanatic's part because they basically piggyback on the timing of kind of like the Golden Heritage, you know, Netflix series and the hype of the marketing you know, mm-hmm. to kind of like uh, just capitalize on that a bit, just the timing of it, right? Because if you took away that Netflix show, the hobby would have been kind of on a downturn, I would say, more, less, ha- there's definitely less hype. But because mm-hmm. of these these shows, there's, there's somewhat of a bear market rally, I would say. So yeah. it's like a good time to kind of like, hey, you know what, with this news, with all the eyes on the brand, let's make the move with pwcc while we have you know the whole golden heritage auctions you know um in light of you know millions of viewers right now is this a strategy um it could be you know maybe maybe it might have i I, you know without being privy of course to the to the bargaining and the discussion and acquiring pwcc could have been months it could have been you know a year but Maybe the the timing of it just worked out really well right. in terms of the release of the Netflix. So, um, and you know, I kind of believe Michael Rubin in the sense where he seems to be in it for the long haul. So I think it was um, strategic only really in the sense that PWCC needed help. Right. And this is sort of their chance to get it at a good good price. And and uh, I heard that you know PSA was also bidding for it. You know what I mean? Like there are other companies right. trying to acquire PWCC. So it was competitive already. And Fanatics, I guess, had the bigger wallet in this case to to buy them out so um so yeah it's interesting to see this uh, development and definitely not a surprise and you kind of answered this question uh that i was thinking about next but what do you think would be next for fanatics if they're still looking to acquire right another company beckett i guess you you mentioned that i think they, they would be kind of like the front runners at this point, right? Like I, I just don't see value in any other grading brands. Um, like PSA, obviously, I don't think it will ever be available at that right. point, you know. And you know, SGC is doing their own thing as well. So I think Beckett makes the most sense. They are hurting. They need you know some more brand presence in terms of you know being able to provide authenticity and you know uh, uh, a reputable grading service that allows the end consumer to grade their cards hassle-free so if they're getting into like live breaks and you guys got to remember fanatics is not just hitting up the collectibles and memorabilia market like they just purchased that uh that that uh sports betting company for 150 million as well so they're they're working full full force on other things of business that uh you know creates enormous amounts of cash flow and revenue you know and mm. they're being creative in the way they're doing it and they're acquiring these businesses in a way that you know can really uh complement their uh resources that they have that could make them potentially more profitable so like to sure. me from a business sense it makes sense like it, everything they're doing it's it's a no-brainer they're gonna keep on going and it, it should be all strategic in terms of their bigger vic bigger picture and vision of what they're trying to accomplish as a brand so i think it's just a matter of time that you're gonna remember tops was just purchased you know a few months back 
and that was a big right. thing. And then now it's PWCC, and then they ain't gonna stop. You know, they they're valued at thirty one billion dollars. They're acquiring these companies for <laughs> wow, hundred yeah. hundred fifty million. You know, and they see the market go up to two two hundred twenty million two hundred twenty billion dollars in the future. So sure. they're they obviously know things that we don't know. So for me, mm-hmm. it's like it's their time to kind of like shine and see um if they have the loyal fan base of their business moves of what they do right at the end of the day they're gonna have to prove that they're gonna make the hobby better and that's what i'm excited about most out of all this is the hobby needs to get better it's so unorganized there's a lot of things that need fixing so it's either you or me clark that we're tackling these problems which (laughs) i don't want to do or a company like fanatics right Right. With the resources. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I thought of that first as well in terms of what would they need next. And obviously they don't have in-house grading and Beckett is there. Even SGC might be in play right. um, to compete with PSA. But um, I was also thinking like some kind of um, events organizing company. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like card shows? They, something like that where they could just like... So how about how about competing against the national? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like or make your own national. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, right? So like they might find a company that could just organize not just big shows but little shows across the country. For sure, absolutely. Across and, North America. And they would bring so of, much yeah. more value because they have so many different ways to make it more creative and, you know, yeah. special. Yeah. And and to your point, it's really about the overall fan experience that fanatics seems to be going for like a like a you know holistic experience from you know everything from the hobby and and what it entails and sports betting it's being a close cousin of the hobby right. you know in terms of investing and just catering to that crowd so i think that's um that's a legitimate play for them as well uh what's interesting uh, i was just seeing uh, rick probstein his um instagram and he asked this same question about you know who, uh, what do you think fanatics will acquire next and his guess or you know just something that came to his mind was that he could acquire sports card investor as a media play oh, okay you, you know what i mean like right. has a mouthpiece to the hobby and right. i thought that was interesting right um, I, I could see that but more of maybe uh i don't think something like that would be acquired as a company because i don't know how if there's remotely value in sportscardinvestor.com as opposed to the influencer side of kind of like Jeff Wilson. Sure. You know what I mean? So if I'm fanatics, it's not necessarily I'm purchasing sports card investor. I want to partner up with these influencers and give them, you know, a partnership or a a Mm. type of a business deal that allows them to work together where it doesn't, necessarily acquire ownership of certain companies i just say that just because um the marketing side of things are so important in anything whether it's sports card real estate you know any market you're in you know nowadays you know if you're not present in social media you're not present period right so there's that right so it's just um i just feel like they could acquire, um, you know, that marketing lens for a lot cheaper through strategic partnerships, through smaller influencers that actually, mm-hmm. you know, could make an impact. 
and not necessarily blow the bank to purchase and acquire a company like that. But I think that definitely can be a play in terms of their strategy moving forward. I just wouldn't, if I were them, I just wouldn't buy a company like Sports Card Investor. I would partner up yeah. with them. Yeah. True. True. But I feel like the trend these days for big companies just are buy to everybody. be their own. <laughs> just buy everybody. But in terms of like, um, for well, you know this too with what you're doing um, for your businesses, and same with me. It's it's all about being your own media company. Absolutely, hundred percent. Right? You know, to get your message out there, and and uh, you know, to to always be in the forefront by Absolutely. You know, social media and websites and everything that you know can get your name out there for sure. And, no, um, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. What you just said is the formula you have to be a media company like period it's like um you know the business strategy if whatever you do whether it's sports cards whether it's you know um you know you have you own a business nowadays if you don't get media attention you're non-existent and it's all about converting you know those views or those interactions that you're having with a targeted audience. So if Fanatics is releasing something to a million people and those million people basically all have the same like joy of collecting and cards, like you have a very targeted 1 million views and that's worth a lot of money because there's a common thing that you could convert in terms of selling, right? And when it goes back to a media company, it's, uh, it's all about the, you know, attention that you're, you're grabbing from, you know, the the market share of attention, essentially, right? So, yeah, it, it definitely makes sense in terms of getting more because I don't think Fanatics goes crazy. But if I had Fanatics' budget, man, honestly, Fanatics, hit me up, man. Like, we, I, you, you don't even have to have any ownership. It's like, let's just do something crazy. Like, if you have hundreds of thousands of dollars of budgets to market yourself, it's like, come on. <laughs> well, Come I was on. gonna say, well, you know, th- that's why I could see them going with sports car. I could see Probstein's point about going with sports car investor because he does provide a lot of content. You can't right. deny him that, right? I go with Scotty um, B cards. This one, hey, this is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, if you want Michael Rubin, if you want um, to partner or to like really work with a reputable, well-researched podcast. Um, with a couple of thousand subscribers, <laughs> you know, very loyal fans, fanatics, I would say, to the, to, um, you know, the content that uh, is put out and in, into the hobby. You know, just just uh, contact us at Cards to the Moon. Cards to the Moon, yeah. five card guys, and we'll even throw in a package of Scotty Scotty B cards. You know, with special appearance <laughs> of sure. Scotty B. <laughs> He's a good friend of ours. Yeah, for sure. So um, we'll we'll wait for that call. <laughs> all right uh i thought it was a good discussion uh it's always interesting like at this point i'm never surprised to hear from fanatics and, right. uh, what they're doing and i'm um, sure we'll be hearing from fanatics again as you know as this hobby continues to roll along and hopefully grow in the next uh, few to several years okay uh let's go to our next segment and it's a new one and uh, we're calling this would you rather Okay, this is kind of a variation of our pick one weekly segment that we're going to do right after this one, but this is more general hobby topics, all right? Not like this card or that card, but, you know, just kind of bigger picture ideas. And um, I thought it would be fun to 
try this segment out. All right. So sounds good. You'll uh, the listeners will kind of get the idea once we go through some of these examples. So first one: Would you rather invest in pitchers or catchers? Oof. Hold up. Pitchers or catchers? Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Let me. I'm just gonna (laughs) pull up uh, Hall of Fame catchers. Catchers. Mm. Catchers first. Wow. Off the top of my head, I can't even. Johnny Bench, Bench? obviously Yogi Berra, Carlton Fisk. but like that, the, the list kind of disappears after that. It's like, what? I never knew, you know, some of these players existed and I'm around baseball. And that, that kind of like throws a loop. Let's sit, let's take a look at Hall of Fame pitchers. There's going to be a lot more, obviously, names that you know, sure. right? So Nolan. obviously, yeah, you know, you, well, your Nolan Ryan, your Gaylord Perry, your Bob Gibsons, your Cy Young, your Marianos, your... You know, Pedro's and stuff like that. I gotta go pitchers, man. There's just so much more, <laughs> so much more yeah. out there in terms of what uh, what to invest in. So for me, it's gonna be pitchers for sure. Okay, I think that was an easy one for me too. The only catch was, no pun intended, the catchers <laughs> do do have the batting stats. You know, um, and if they're if they're a power hitter, but at the same time, I was thinking of guys like Mike Piazza, right? And, you know. How's, hobby love there, how, right? how's his values doing? How's Joe Maurer's value doing? Most underrated, you know, catcher, one of the most yeah. underrated catchers in the game. Buster Posey. Buster Posey. That guy's, yeah, that guy's legit. So, you know, yeah. you don't you don't really get the love that, that the catchers do, but, you know. And, you know, the way catchers play now, it's they play 75% of the season, right? right? So right. even harder to get your stats. Here, here's a question out. for you. Do yeah. you think... Adley Rutschman holds value mm-hmm. as a catcher, or would he have more value as a position player and as a pure hitter for longevity? So, for instance, Joe yeah. Maurer, the Joe Maurer story. So, I I played against Joe Maurer. You know, most incredible baseball player. Uh, he oh, played wow. on Team USA. He was in the yeah. era of Justin Morneau too. So, Justin Morneau was very good buddies with Joe Maurer. Probably one of the best buddies. Right. And Justin Morneau actually was a catcher in high school. Oh, wow. I didn't know he that. He actually got booted because of Joe Maurer. <laughs> Joe Maurer was <laughs> the best catcher. Justin moved to first base, yeah. right? So people don't view Justin as a catcher, right? No, Morneau as a catcher. It, he was known as a hitter. So I think long longevity-wise, it did more harm to Joe Maurer that he was an all-time catcher mm-hmm. as opposed to someone like Justin Morneau who was known for an offensive type player first rather than a defensive catcher right very true yeah so yeah i definitely i think you answer your own question definitely will have more value if they move to a positional (laughs) yeah position uh, position yeah like first base and i think i think mauer moved to first base in the last well he was older yeah 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 that made sense (laughs) to uh play an extra couple of years um (laughs) all right uh so we're investing in pitchers both of us okay next would you rather have a Shohei pitching card or Shohei batting card? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, this is <laughs> this is something I battle every day. Um, man, so from what I've seen, Shohei's mm-hmm. batting was the hot item in the last couple of years. Okay. So him hitting, his hitting image. So we're talking tops update, you know, his yeah. hitting rookie debut. Even now, that thing sells like that's not worth 
that much money. Like it shouldn't be selling <laughs> for that much, but it right. sells, right? But huh. to me, okay. if if we broke it down to if you had one choice to buy his Bowman Chrome, you know, I guess it would be his rookie auto, not necessarily his first auto because he doesn't have. He has two rookie autos, one from Bowman, you know, 2018 Bowman, and one from 2018 Bowman Chrome. 2018 Bowman was his pitching, mm-hmm. right? So that was a actually a tougher pull. Uh, and then you have his 2018 Bowman Chrome hitting image. Right. So for me, as a hobbyist, the pitching was always the sought-after one. Always. Yeah. Right? So I always had that assumption that I would always want his pitching. Right? Okay. But then the market changed in terms of the base card because all his tops cards are pitching. Hmm. Right? So with that said... I believe that his Bowman card to have is his pitching card. Yeah. So based off that, I would say autos, pitching, non-autos, <laughs> hitting. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's kind of a workaround. Makes Already sense. bending the rules. Makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> um. I am going with pitching for the first reason you mentioned. Like for me, when I think of his best card, it's the pitching, especially the autograph card. It's the pitching one, the one that um, the Super Factor, which sold for 184K, which is worth over a million now, right? So I will always want the pitching one um, for that reason. And and usually it's not the case. I mean, I can't even say usually. There's only one player. There's only one player, yeah. (laughs) Well, would you rather have a Beirut hitting or pitching image? Babe Ruth hitting. Right. Because he was a hitter, but how rare is that pitching? True. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> These are... It's blowing my mind right now thinking about <laughs> the choices. All right. Um, okay, let's go to the next one. This is a little bit easier, I think. Would you rather buy one Aaron Rodgers high-end rookie card or buy three Trevor Lawrence high-end rookie cards? Oh shoot! What the heck? Okay, that's is it easier. I thought it was easier. That was that was no. That's uh. <laughs> well, man. for you, I thought it might Trevor be more Lawrence. difficult. For me, I think it's uh. So one, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, you know, huge hype with mm-hmm. with release with who he is, uh, the season he had last year. Yeah, and to be honest, the season wasn't like incredible. To be honest, uh, but true. It's I think he's he's in a kind of like make or break year, you know. So for me, normally I would say I like the short term play on Trevor Lawrence, but yeah. in this case I'm a little scared because he came with a huge hype, and I think regardless of what he does, can he can he maintain that hype? Right, he would have to, you know, lead. Jacksonville to the playoffs you would have to do things as a 21 22 year old you know quarterback young quarterback and be successful mm-hmm. and if he doesn't do that I don't think his prices move I think it goes south pretty quick right so for me you know Aaron Rodgers high end is the right play you know long term if you're willing to risk to make a little bit more profit so you could buy a better Aaron Rodgers then 
I might be interested in that. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the play in my opinion. The volatility, I don't like it on a bear market. On a on a on a mm, on a bull run, point. absolutely. Yeah. Let's buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> volatility yeah. is my best friend. Did I change your mind? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm one. I'll buy one Aaron Rodgers high end rookie all day. Okay. I think I think you know what, but I think it's to your point. Like we're in this bear market. That's my mentality right now. Like right. that's what I'm trying to do. I'm liquidating all my cards right, right now, 100%. even at the loss to try to get one really good grail card. And that's a good point. Like people don't understand. You look at any markets. If you're into real estate, if you're into stocks, crypto, you know, there's going to be bear market rallies. And we see all the time in sports because yeah. the fundamentals of sports is every day. It's a daily uh, thing sure. that happens. So Ronald Acuna wins MVP. You're going to have bear market rallies on his card, but the whole market is down in general, right? So yeah, these are yeah. things that you got to be really careful about, especially in sports cards, because they're not, it's not a, you know, um, regulated market where, you know, um, sports cards, anything can happen. There's could be shilling. There could be, you know, shady businesses that you don't understand that the, there's other influences that play, hmm. play into it. So, yeah, it's a little scary on a on a bear market, but I've learned yeah, my lessons sure. through other markets on how markets react. So right now, um, during any recession, you know, this is why whether you're in business or any type of, you know, hobby, the the people that get shaken off on a recession are people that aren't in it for the original intention. So if you're a collector yeah. for the sake of collecting, you're going to do well in a recession. If you're a flipper in a in a in a trendy market like how the sports card market was, you're gonna be very unsuccessful in terms of short term play, right? So that's right. I think important to break down and see kind of like the overall picture of the picture where you are. And usually during recessions, it's great buying opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the people that you know. Um, even the companies, the businesses that stay true to themselves and why they exist in the first place, they're the ones who stick around. They're the ones who do really well in the next cycle, right, For of sure. e- economic cycles. And I think that's something to kind of note um, as a hobbyist or wherever you are as a collector. Agreed. Agreed. You know, even before we recorded the show, we are talking about like some of our auctions that we just uh, had and we lost a ton, right? Or like in terms of value. Crazy. But- but um, but you know we're we're both reinvesting in it because we're looking to buy cards that used to be like um, these higher end cards that used to be ten thousand dollars more, and Absolutely. we're saving a bunch on going back into those higher end. Hundred percent. Right? So. It's no different than real estate market. If you think about it, like people people just right. look at interest rates and make the decision based off interest rates. But if you're getting a good deal on the real estate, the interest rate doesn't really matter, right? And yeah. obviously, it, it determines on kind of like your longevity and your end play of it. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. determining factors that are kind of like parallel to. Even the real estate sure. market with sports cards, right? So true, true, true. Excellent point. All right, um, glad we had that talk of uh, macroeconomics and I love it. investing. <laughs> yep. All right. Here's number four. Would you rather have a true orange refractor or a red lava refractor of Ellie de la Cruz? And you know why I chose Ellie De La Cruz? He's one of the hottest guys right now. And also, uh, you know, this is an added factor. Cincinnati Reds, you know, a little color match there. 
Oh, the red. I'm I'm not you know what? There was a guy that been trying to sell that red lava Ellie Dela Cruz. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know who it is. And he's been asking way too much for it. But man, I'm gonna actually go with the true orange. Oh wow. I don't know, man. Like red lava's also number to five. It is number to five and don't get me wrong. Red Lava is like a gorgeous card. Color match, Ellie de la Cruz. But, you know, <laughs> it's so weird. Hobby logic is so weird. It's just... <laughs> it's true. It's just orange. <laughs> like, it's like I would even probably maybe take a true gold. You know? Oh, wow. Okay. It, it all depends on the pop count. So, so it's like, for me, if uh, the, the orange refractor was, let's just say, it's out of 25 and it was a pop 10. And then the Ellie de la mm-hmm. Cruz was a pop three and it's out of five i wouldn't mind the orange refractor if it was a little higher then that would probably be my deciding factor because the, the red, gem rate because the gem rate plus okay. how, how many are available obviously mm-hmm. there's going to be more demand i think for true orange in terms of the true collector and i'm assuming that it's a psa 10 that you know you're you're probably going after sure. at the end of the day so yeah i the right answer is red lava, but the hobby logic answer is orange refractor. <laughs> okay, that well, that's why I asked. Oh man, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to go with red lava. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the color match, and yeah. it's just too much. And the number to five, and it's it's one of those things. I'm not confident when I say it because I could yeah. see that I could get burned by it at the end of the day too. <laughs> like but, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't think they should add parallels to to those. You know? Yeah, to the lower, yeah, especially oh, like yeah. the reds. Like, you don't need, it. yeah, you don't need any more reds. Make more like uh, greens and above. You know right. what I mean? Go green wave, go green lava, go green Hulk or whatever. Like do whatever you want to do <laughs> with those colors. Yeah, but red and yeah, orange, that... gold, keep limited. So, super fractors. Well, super fractors. <laughs> Does... Yeah, you can't have multiple versions of one one. Which they do, which, which is annoying. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying. It's stupid. <laughs> stupid fanatics. I hope, yeah, I hope people higher up are listening. This yeah. is truth we're talking. Okay, last one. <laughs> Would you rather have a silver prism rookie card or a base sticker auto rookie card? What? What's a base sticker auto? Like a... Like, a, let's say a Luka Doncic silver prism rookie card. Okay. Right. And there's like a sensational signatures, which is kind of a base with a signature oh, with a oh, sticker on it. Oh, okay, a sticker on it. Oh, I, th- I thought you yeah. meant like a sticker, like a the, you know like the European stickers. Oh no no no! With yeah, an not auto? the sticker card, sticker auto, sticker, sticker auto, auto, or yeah. a Lucas silver, or like a silver, prism. not silver even prism, like a yeah. colored prism. Not a, you're not even getting me a numbered. Nope. No. Versus like a sensational signatures. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the sticker auto man. I think wow. I think autos in general are underrated. And mm-hmm. I think there's gonna be a point in time where that market's gonna catch itself regardless. So especially in basketball. I think bas- yeah. you look at LeBron, for instance. I'm just saying it's not the same as Luca because obviously print runs are different. But right. over time, if you were to say would you invest in a LeBron auto, even if it was sticker in two thousand three mm-hmm. Right? Or would you have a refractor Bowman Chrome LeBron? Right. 
right? So I that's the way I'm looking at it. And although people crap on sticker autos, I'm going to say long run. I think even insert autos, even with Lucas, I think long term, there's going to be enough demand for it that, you know, it holds its value as opposed yeah. to a pop 2000, you know, silver prism. 100%. We're on the same page. Um, it's one of those hobby logic things. I don't, I mean, the auto, even if it's a sticker auto, there's a scarcity factor in itself. You know what sure. I mean? Like he, he didn't sign unlimited sticker autos right, right. yet. Yet the, the pricing and the value of sticker autos is kind of, that's, it's treated as such. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, especially with silver prisms, man, that was just a bad call for me. Like I got lured into the silver prism and, and I'm like, liquidating any silver prisms i have now <laughs> um, so i've learned my lesson i think um, i think the key takeaway to that though clark is on a bull market silver prism is the way to go yes on a, on 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 a you know um what's it called the uh, the sticker autos no on a frick bear. On, on a bear market yeah like right. Definitely, you want to avoid the the silvers, the higher pop yeah. count. <clears throat> I'm learning that lesson hard right now. We all we <laughs> all did it at one point, you know. True, true. All right. Uh, well, that was fun. Would you rather? We'll do another segment. We'll I'll definitely have to do with John. I'll try to think of equally difficult ones. Yeah, that was good. Think. Yeah, some of the stuff is random. I wouldn't have thought of that, or even <laughs> you know, you know, put the two I'm, together. I'm, I'm, I might have asked ChatGPT for a couple of. I um, love it. <laughs> that's why, of, that's uh, why we get along, man. <laughs> questions. <laughs> All right, um, let's end off this show with our regular weekly segment we call "Pick One." All right, this is where we actually pick a couple cards or sets, and then we um, debate uh, which one we would rather invest in. All right, so Hyung, do you want to start this one off? So believe it or not, I didn't mm-hmm. even prepare one, but okay, but I'm going to give you one. I'm ready. Your, your inspiration inspired me of the last segment. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> so would you would you rather? It was actually similar to kind of like your Trevor Lawrence one, yep. but would you rather invest in one super high end card? So if we'll take Shohei Otani for instance, mm-hmm. super high end. Let's just say a ten thousand dollar card. Or would you invest in multiple lower end cards of Shohei Otani that potentially have more value? So would you rather invest in one big card or multiples of, let's just say, rare cards, but not super rare? So non-autos, maybe color parallels, PSA 10s, Pop 20s, and you might get four Shohei Otanis compared to like a Bowman Chrome Auto. Gotcha. Man, the, I mean, when we're playing the Would You Rather segment, obviously I'm inclined to get the one higher end. Right. But I think if it's the same player, it changes things a little bit because especially with a guy like Shohei, someone I believe in, it might even just be a safer play to right. diversify. And if you if you're giving me the fact that they are um, lower end, but they're numbered or, you know, there's still um, value in the lower end cards. Um, I think I might be inclined 
to go with uh, multiple. Really? In this case. So okay, let's let's okay. Shohei might be a bad example. Let's say Vladdy. Hmm. Okay. Shohei's a bad example. Yeah, Shohei. I think whatever you pick with Shohei, yeah, you're you're right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, Okay, Vladdy's better. Vladdy's better. Um, Oh man, I think I would go with the higher end with Vladdy or with a other player other than Shohei. Yes. Okay. Because I think I would rather. At the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, like I would like the card, just like I would like the high end, the card to right. just have in my collection. Right. You know. Um. So, and I and you know I like the um, potential upside if they do well. The higher end cards might be much more valuable than even the three or four combined. Right. But what it what what happens if uh, I'm throwing these circumstances you know because because the higher end stuff tends to be overpriced right so mm-hmm. y- you see these deals like Shohei's actually a good example on this so autos are overpriced some of his colored parallels are underpriced in my opinion when it comes to rarity and scarcity but the demand's not there right so right. there's there's kind of like that i guess uh that i was trying to go for but not not to change it you you said your answer and uh you know i uh i battled with this my whole collecting career <laughs> it's like man cuz the 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 train of thought is okay if i get let's just say four nice flatties maybe they're not his bowman chrome auto maybe it's a combination of tops chrome blue refractor and then mm-hmm. you have a bowman chrome gold and then you would be like oh when vladdy's market goes i'll sell this one Take the profit, but keep this one because it's more rare. That that was the original line of thinking of the way right. like I used to do the hobby. Honestly, it's so much work. <laughs> Just having to sell sell stuff, you know. And then I I, I tried to do less least amount of cards. That's my rule of thumb. Now mm. now that I'm in, I want as least amount of cards as possible, but the best cards. Yes. So I've changed my habit, especially on like a, a bear run, you know, to kind of changing that to get good quality cards. Just like if you're in real estate, get good quality real estate. Don't buy the trend. Just get long term solid pieces that, you know, will, you know, hold value in the long run, you know, and that's yeah. kind of like the way I I position it and I think of it now in terms of card collecting and I enjoy it so much better to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of what um, Brent deep value investor one said, you know, like he believes that the top cards will, the, the values will all accrue to the top anyways. For sure. So that's his play trying to get the, the big the cards. Yeah. You know? The best card, the best possible. cards. Of yeah, even player. if it's like yeah. a little bit of overpaying, you know, you'll have more longevity with that card. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? Definitely the higher one higher end card. That's where I'm going with. And, like and you know, it, I, I like the the other bonus factor is, you know, I get you get to flex with that one higher end card on bit. your Instagram <laughs> <laughs> with your with your hobby friends. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll finish off with my pick one. So, this is kind of a actual variation of the silver prism versus the base auto, but um 
Let's go with Nikola Jokic, okay? So okay. his silver prism, 2015 silver prism, the pop count for a PSA 10 is 141. So back then it wasn't as high, of course, right. as the Luka Doncic years. So his silver PSA 10 last sold for 3,500, all right? Uh, at its peak, it was 6,000 a couple of years wow. ago. So it's not 3,500. And at its uh, recent lows, it's like 1,800, you know, that's which was um, a few months ago. All right. So it's kind of dipped and then it's kind of rebounded but not as high as the peak obviously right. 3500 for a silver prism versus he has a autograph on card autograph this time panini select um and uh it's numbered to 199 okay one thousand dollars less 2500 i gotta see this bgs card. sorry but bgs 9.5 so select um what's his face Jokic. Mm-hmm. Auto out of 199. Yep. You're not even giving me a, like a 99 or you give me 199. The worst. Uh, <laughs> the worst 199 is not the bad. Worst, the worst. The worst. Well, I mean. Select rookie signatures. <sighs> number to 199. You know, my heart, my heart is telling me the select because it's on card auto. You know, um, I'm not a huge fan of the prism, but the prism is rare enough where it should hold its value and be liquid that liquid was a key word in a bull market right but yes that's what uh concerns me still um man uh you said pop was what on on the silver it was 141 141 and this is out of 199 so but this is an auto and i think autos in general in basketball are underrated i think there's a lot of uh potential to grow you see any his historical cards lebron james you know stephen curry like anybody that was relevant to the game their autos tend to do well regardless of the set and select isn't necessarily i would say a third fourth set it's a it's it's a pretty decent set sure. right it's yeah. it's a respectable set so i'm gonna go with the select auto i think it's just like prism's too boring for me like it's just too typical you know i, I like i said i really like like that card on a bear or on a bull run not on a bear run i'm gonna go yeah. with like more rare more value uh for what it is uh, true value okay all right um I, you probably know my answer already. I'm done with silver prisms. <laughs> <laughs> you got burned. I'm yeah. out. Yeah, I'm I get out. it. I so get even it. even with the lower pop run, um, I just feel like that silver prisms can still go down. You right. know, like even more so than where we are now, whether it's a lower or higher pop run. And uh, to your point, at some point, these on card autograph basketball cards have to. Like it just seems that some of these guys are just it's pretty good value in my opinion, right. and especially if they're going to be um, one of these top five generational talents. Right. So for me, it's easy. Save the thousand bucks, even if it's a BGS nine point five min gem. In this case, um, I'm still going with the select signatures auto. All right, that's another great episode of Cards to the Moon. We thank you for tuning in um, every Tuesday and every other Friday. And once again, we appreciate all your positive feedback that we've been getting lately. And we'd like to you know, share that feedback with our 
our um, listeners, other listeners and subscribers, and even people that don't uh, know about our show, but follow us on Instagram at Carts to the Moon. You could get more content there as well, um, even on non-podcast publishing days. So follow us there as well. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again next Tuesday for a brand new episode. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.